three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. Today, Tracy and I are talking about division, finding the mean, and numberless word problems. Tracy, division is something that is started in third grade, probably, and then you teach it in fourth, and I see some of the same issues in sixth. Why don't we talk about some of the things that are important for a teacher to know before she ventures out into the introduction of division and then the instruction of division? Okay. So I feel like the biggest thing, there's lots of things, right? But the biggest thing that I think teachers need to know that maybe they don't know already is that there are two different ways that you can think about division. And I'm actually going to relate that back to the last episode when I talked about subtraction and how most people think about subtraction as only takeaway. And they forget that it's also that comparison model, which was really obvious that I did it right when I was really surprised (laughs) by your base 10 model that was using comparison or the difference. Um, So people think about subtraction in one way. And multiplication, sometimes we think about it as repeated addition, but you can also see it as rows of and groups of and jumps of, which I think is helpful. But division, we start to think about it. We kind of get pigeonholed, I think, as teachers into thinking about division means you're going to take a quantity and you're mm-hmm. going to divide it into a certain number of equal groups. Right. So, um, for example, this is a story I used in my class because a kid wrote, wrote it. Um, we have 27 pieces of bacon and I have three family members. And how many pieces of bacon is everybody going to get if we share it equally, if we share all of it equally? So you would take the 27 pieces of bacon and you'd split them in three equal groups. And you would lots of times kids deal it out, right? They would put one for you, one for you, right. one for you. I mean, that's a that's a skill that kids start to develop when they're little, very little with sharing with their siblings or their family. That's not that's not new to them. Um, and that here's some math teacher nerd word for you. That's <laughs> called partitive partitive division, sharing division. But we forget that there's a whole other way to think about it, which is called quotative division. And um, oftentimes I've heard that called like thinking about repeated subtraction or thinking about it. It's called measurement division is another way to name it. But if we're going to go back to the bacon, um, we could say I have or the, the there's a lunch lady that has 27 pieces of bacon in her pan and the serving size is three pieces of bacon. So each kid can get three pieces of bacon. How many kids can she feed out of her pan? So in, it looks, the model looks different. Instead of making three equal groups, you have to pull out three and make a pile of three and make another pile of three and make another pile of three. And your answer becomes how many piles you have. So it's not really important that the students know those words, partitive and quotative and measurement division. Definitely not. It's just important that teachers teach it both ways right and be and and that your context that you give them is not always partitive you need to make sure that they see the quotative part the quotative version of division um and i feel like it's important because yes because of the test right that's always the answer you they're going to see it on the test why you need to make sure you show it to them but it's more than that it's that 
the algorithms that you use depend on having a flexible thinking of those two. You know, the algorithms can't make sense a lot of times unless you can see it both ways. And then also when you start to talk about fractions and decimals, and we've been talking a lot about this on our runs, if you don't understand both, sometimes the models that you try to use with fractions and decimals kind of fall apart, you know. Um, so my big learning moment this week you, you said it a second ago that they come in from third grade with a little bit of knowledge, but not a super strong knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of assumed they already had some uh, some thinking about that. And they do a little bit, but they had never really vocalized it or generalized it. You know, they had it had never been brought to their attention. At least they acted like it hadn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I did it one way tried to bring that to their attention one way it didn't work but the way that it I felt like it did work was I gave them 27 squares and I asked like foam tiles you know and I asked them to model for me 27 divided by three that was just it and what we call a naked number problem right and um about half of the kids showed three equal groups and about half of the kids showed equal groups of three which was perfect they fell right into my trap <laughs> <laughs> um and so then I made them stand up because the reason I made them stand up is because if you let them sit there they're going to keep messing with it and they'll never stop making their equal groups they'll stack them and make them in flowers and you know whatever so they stood up and stood around the room and then we just looked at it we noticed and wondered said what do you notice what do you wonder and they noticed that some people had groups of three and some people had three groups. And I had to give them that, the language. I had to point out it's the divisor we're talking about, what the divisor is. That's the number you divide by, right? What you, um, how you're thinking about the divisor is changing and then how you're thinking about the quotient is changing. And then I matched it to a story. In my first class, I did it the other way around and did a story first and then the model and they got confused. But it worked It worked to do the model. And then I said, okay, push all your squares together. I'm going to tell you the bacon story. And you make the model that matches which story I just told. And they were, they've got it. They, they grasped it. And I think it. because they had seen, there's two different choices. Yeah. Where your first class didn't necessarily have a choice. They just always went to what they already knew. Yeah. And it, always, it goes back to that obedience idea that we beat into kids in math, unfortunately. Like, am I allowed to do that? You know, I think some of them feared that they couldn't. They, that wasn't, we weren't allowed to do that kind of, that thing. Um, and the idea that there's one right answer. Yeah. So... 27 divided by 3 is 9, and I'm going to do this the way that I've always done it because mm -hmm. there's no other answer to that division problem. Right, right. Um, it, was, it was tricky, too, when I asked them to write a division. Uh, no, I asked them, I said write a number sentence that matches what we just did. And in that first group, they got stuck because they still thought that the divisor was the number of groups. They all wrote 27 divided by nine at equals three and that you know that does model that does it's mathematically correct right and you could even look at their picture and say yeah that we could call that 27 divided by nine but that's not what was in the story you know we started with the numbers 27 and three and we landed on the number nine so it was a big learning curve for me this week trying to get that into their brains and the kids that got it it was really cool to watch their aha moment so you talked about partitive and quotative division, but then there's something else with 
division that yeah it's hard so remain so we get as teachers we get stuck on what's the answer right and we're stuck on the quotient period but in real life there are often often remainders that your numbers don't work out beautifully with divisibility rules in real life um, and you have to figure out what to do with the remainder so that's another thing that we went to this week um, and going back to like the order I'm not third grade in in Virginia we're in Virginia and we have our own standards of learning so in Virginia you don't have to worry about the, the remainders in third grade I'm pretty sure I think that's a new thing in fourth grade um, and I knew that going in so that's kind of where I started really this year and so how to interpret remainders there are at least four ways that I teach them um, the first one would just be to ignore the remainder you know, um, that would be, should I give an example of each story? Sure. Okay. So one would be like, I, um, I'm going to go, sh I have this much money. Let's say, you know, $32. I have $32. This thing at the store costs $5. How many can I buy? Well, you can buy six and then you're going to have $2 left over and you just ignore the remainder. It doesn't affect your answer. You can still buy six. Um, the next one would be, rounding up one rounding your quotient up one and i like the going on a field trip story um we are we have 30 kids i'll use the 30 divided by let me what was it 30 divided by six is that what i said 32 divided by six wait or 32 divided by five because you had six 32 and... divided by five thanks okay i'll write it down so i use the whole same one every time so 32 divided by five there are 32 kids in the class each van or car can hold five kids. How many cars do we need to get on our field trip? Um, in this case, you'd put, you know, um, you'd have six, you'd have six vans or six cars, and then you still need another one for those last two kids. You can't forget them. We always joke about that. So you're going to have to round up. You're going to end up needing seven cars to get where you're going. Um, the next one is sh like breaking it apart. So if you have 32 cookies and you have five teachers or pies, maybe better in this case, um, 32 pies and five teachers and how much can everybody get and you want to use it all up, then you would start dividing your leftover two pies into fractions. You know, you'd split it up. That, that one always goes with food and cookies, right? Right. Or that one goes with mean, which is what I did in my class this week because we were when you're finding the average of something um we were actually just simply dividing blocks they had blocks in their on their desk when they got to class and i said count how many are in each section and find the average per section and the remainder just kind of hung out there hmm. one of their favorite things to do is just say 0. 0.4 in this case 0. 0.2 because they have a remainder of two. Oh yeah that's um, a common misconception right right so that goes back into your place value and your decimals mm -hmm. but we had those 32 blocks and they made their groups and then the two leftovers i just had them draw a picture of your two blocks and show me how you would divide them it was pretty awesome to watch some of the students cut each of them into fifths. Mm -hmm. And you got one fifth of this block and one fifth of this block. And so two fifths. But then I had a couple students. Keep in mind, I teach 120 students. So okay. when I say a couple, that might be one or two from each class. Yeah. Um, cut those two blocks in half. And they gave each a half. Okay. And now you have... You had two blocks left. You couldn't cut them in half. So 
that is not 32 divided by five didn't work for my example <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> mine was a remainder of four okay so if you'll just go with me and I have a picture of student work that I'll put on the website that you can look at but if you look at having a remainder of four and having to share it with five people okay that was the story that ours okay. turned out to be and so they divided them in half and they gave each person a half okay so now I have she's drawn it out I'm drawing it out so now I have three halves left and the students cut those in fourths and they gave everyone a fourth and then they got to that last so so far everybody had everybody has a half and a fourth everybody has a half and a fourth okay and so then you get to that last piece and they kind of just didn't know what to do with it but we did have an aha moment when someone said well you can just cut that fourth into fifths tracy it was a perfect example of a struggle problem Mm -hmm. where there was success at the end because they have not multiplied fractions my students didn't know what one-fourth times one-fifth was this was definitely not the time to say oh let me show you how to multiply fractions multiply across the top and the bottom but to really talk about what is a fourth of a fifth yeah and there was that one student who worked and worked and worked and then very i guess shyly is what she did was like could it possibly be 120th? Wow, cool. And so then she was able to share, and hopefully we built a little bit more confidence in the whole class. Because mm-hmm. when you take a risk, and when your teacher is, um, when your teacher understands it well enough. Yeah. Because unfortunately, I feel like sometimes we're in a position like that as teachers, and we don't understand why we're teaching the math. We only know one way to do it. Yeah. And those kinds of questions come up, and we just have to say, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have so many things to say. Okay, so so that whole teacher knowledge is so important, and part of why we're doing this, right? Because right. that we, we recognize those holes that we used to have, you know? Well, like, that we still have. It's just so important that you are willing to say, I don't really get this. Yeah, yeah. I, I had that yesterday. I gave the kids a challenge problem about remainders, and... Um, I haven't told you about it yet, but anyway, I gave it to him and I had to be like, explain it again, explain it again, say it one more time. And I even had to say, I'm going to have to look at it tonight. And I took their work home and I was slapping to study it and I figured it out. It was really cool. Okay. That's a a conversation for (laughs) Monday's run. Um, But in this problem, did you, so you ended up with each person gets a half and a fourth and a 20th, right? Mm -hmm. Did you just did you just stop there? Or did you figure out oh, how much no. that was? So we had already figured out that our remainder of four with five people was four fifths. Okay. Okay. So then you figured so then out. We haven't added fractions. Yeah. This is just knowledge of how am I going to put this together? And if we know the remainder is four fifths, can somebody see this as four fifths? And it was actually one a different student who said. Well, Missy, can't we just turn them all into decimals Oh, and add those because we know a half and a fourth and a 20th because they're all related to money. So cool. we have a 50 cent piece and a quarter and a nickel. Cool. So they did it by decimals. Right. So then you get 0.8 mm-hmm. and then you have to say, well, how does that relate back wow. to four fifths? Yeah. And there you go. A whole lesson that you didn't even plan. Yeah. That's cool. Um Okay, we could get so sidetracked, but we're trying to stay on. Um, all right, so the other way to think about remainders that we haven't done yet. So that one, that that was about, like, p- 
splitting the remainder up. And, and mean is a great example of where you would do that in real life. Um, the other one is that the answer is the remainder. And so sometimes the question might ask how many are left over, right? So for the going back to the 32 divided by five story, if you had 32 cookies, uh, cupcakes. We do a lot of food, right? And when <laughs> with division, if you have 32 cupcakes and they can be packaged in boxes of five, how many are left over that don't get to go in a full box? And so there you would have here, there, there's that um, quotative story, right? Um, you have to put five in each box. That's the size of the groups. And then two is the answer. Five is not the answer. The answer is not five remainder two two is the answer to that question. So I spent a lot of time with my kids trying to say, yes, you can do the math. You can model it perfectly. You can get that something remainder, something answer. But if you don't pick the right answer in the context of the story, it's still not right yet, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so we, we worked on that a long time. So I I saw in, in doing that whole remainder thing, I saw a common problem that I had either never seen before or just not paid enough attention, right? I think the longer that you teach, you recognize that there are repeated mistakes that, you know, every year you're like, oh, lots of kids to do that, right? Um, So I saw one this week that I wanted to ask you about that I I still don't know what to do about it. Um, I saw it with the problem like 30 divided by 8. And I believe in the context we were probably thinking about it like quotative division so the the packing boxes of eight kind of story I'm, I think that's where the problem came from and part of why they actually made the problem but many of them said four remainder two was the answer does that make any sense mm-hmm. to you okay so you said that problem and I wrote it down because I don't want to get it wrong yeah right and my brain went exactly to 32. Yes, that's what they did. Because that jump, when you're skip counting by eights Mm -hmm. from 24 to 32, isn't a natural place. It's just not natural for us to count by eights. Mm -hmm. And so even me, who I know my math facts, that was the first place my brain went, Mm -hmm. was 32. Yeah. So that's, that's where their mistake is coming from. They're picturing four boxes of something with two holes so they're saying they're going to 32 and then what's the leftover part it's two 32 minus 30 is is two um so all i could say what like i didn't have a good response or question to come back to them all i could say was you don't have 32 you have 30 like but that didn't really click nothing you know what you got for me, Ruth? <laughs> so it's it's funny. I tell my students often in class that your brain wants to go to what's easy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, when you're adding integers and your brain knows that 8 plus 8 is 16 and 8 plus negative 8 is 0 and you mm-hmm. still want to say 16. Right. And so I tell my students, you have to slow your brain down and not let it go to what's familiar. Hmm. And Tracy... This is exactly what's happening because 32 minus 30 is an easier subtraction problem to figure out what's left over than 30 minus 24. Yeah. Yeah. So not only do you have to know that 24 is close enough to 30, Mm -hmm. 
okay? Because it's six away. Yeah, that's a pretty big so remainder. So you feel like 32 is closer, and yeah. that's you're going to go there. But it's also that ability to do the subtraction yeah. mentally. Yeah. So, I mean, all I have is that you explain that and you tell them and you sound very scientific like you <laughs> know that this is what happens in your brain yeah but I said that to you and you nodded at me like yeah that's happening yeah. well that's what happens when you tell a student let me tell you about how fast your brain moves through something that you know mm -hmm. and you know how to subtract mm -hmm. so why don't you write the multiples of eight mm -hmm. so now that you're looking at them you can see that 32 I mean I don't yeah. have any like huge great thing but yeah those two easy problems right it's it it so it's part of the problem was the kind of division we were doing led them in that direction right because it was quotative division mm -hmm. and then you're helping me realize that it was the numbers too the numbers that were in that particular problem made it easier to go to 32 than it was all the way back to 24 mm -hmm. okay thanks um if you, if any of our um, listeners happen to have any other ideas about how to help them not make that common mistake, or what to, what questions to ask, or models, or anything, we would love to hear that because um, it's it's we're not over that mistake, right? It's going to keep happening, right? You're, yeah, it is. So the other thing I wanted to tell you about was yesterday's math class. We haven't talked about it yet. I'm so excited. And <laughs> yeah, on yesterday's run, I was telling you how I we were just ready to start figuring out the algorithm for bigger problems, the three digit by one digit. I'm not teaching them dad, mother, sister, brother, because I want them to have more understanding. It's like the cr wackiest algorithm ever, right? That doesn't have much meaning. I mean, you can see the meaning, but it's so hard to get the meaning out of that dumb algorithm. So I wanted them to to start to develop their own. And um, you you gave me a really critical like change to my lesson yesterday, which went so well. You told me, put your four problems up there. They were all context problems. And I ended up doing all partitive problems, all the sharing kind of division, because it's easier to model that concretely when right. you have big numbers. Mm -hmm. um, but you said, don't tell them which, besides the very first problem, don't tell them which method they need to do do they need to do a concrete or um representational or abstract and my kids have learned those words over the last couple of weeks and they're using them it's pretty cool um and you know that's exactly what i did i was like if you want to do it all with base 10 blocks go for it if you want to draw it go for it if you want to use these grids that i've printed out and figure out some way to mark it on the grids go for it if you think you know an algorithm if you know the long division algorithm if you we've done a couple of like subtraction examples of subtraction algorithm you know the repeated okay. subtraction right. so one or two kids have shared that and I've I've put that up on the board because that's how I'd love to lead them in that direction and and so I just said go you need to work by yourself but but go for it and in my first class most more kids did concrete a lot of them did concrete and in my second class, a lot of them, for whatever reason, were ready to do that subtraction algorithm. Was, I thought I'd, they would be the same, but they really weren't. They were kind of heavy on one, heavy on the other. Um, and it was quite beautiful. It was pretty exciting. There were some, you know, like gnashing of teeth, and they there were a couple kids that were not having it. But most of them were experiencing success in some way. It was really, really cool. So tell me about your concrete. Did you use the computer 
tiles or did you actually pull out the base 10 I blocks? I actually laid out the base 10 blocks okay. because I want them well I can't really tell you what my reason was um I wanted to, I I think I thought that they were going to play on the computer you know and I really wanted okay. them to to do the work of the the splitting up um we haven't used it yet a lot you were telling me about name that what is that so it's it? number pieces by clarity innovations and it's an app on the iPad but you can also get it on Chromebooks yeah um I think I loved it and the reason that I loved it was because I still gave them that whole little manipulative rule that you have. Here's what we're going to use. You have two minutes to play with it. So Mm -hmm. get your buildings and all of that kind of stuff out of the way. Yeah. Um, But when we were, I don't, regrouping or using that, I just felt like I was running out of blocks. Yeah. I have 24 students in my room. And when you're constantly trading for tens or you have that child who doesn't really know that they don't need that many. Yeah. So... To have that app where they could break those apart, right. it just worked. Yeah, and I and I ended up because what you told me yesterday on the run, I ended up using it to model that for my one problem up for everybody to see, and it was really cool. They actually asked me, "Can we use it?" It's a decision I hadn't thought completely through, and so I wasn't. I was afraid it was going to be new and it was going to be a distraction. So if they had already used it before. I probably, it would have been fine to put in this lesson. So for next year, I might let them play with it ahead of time. And then I think it could have been useful. Yeah. I love the part that they don't actually have to count out the 10 because then if they get it wrong, their whole problem, you know, if they don't actually regroup correctly or trade correctly, then their whole problem is a mess. Um, So back to yesterday's lesson, they were doing it. They were counting out their amounts. They were making equal trades for their, you know, for their hundreds or then for their tens too. They were splitting them into the right number of groups and then they had an answer. You know, I'd like all it would look like is Miss Prophets is right and I could come over and I could see six piles of 22 and I'm like, holy cow, yes, this is right. You got it. Um, And then there were kids who were trying their friend's subtraction division algorithm, basically like how much can I give everybody? Well, I could give everybody 10. So they're writing it. It's I got it from another kid in the class. They're writing their 10 on the side and then subtracting that 60 out because they're giving six people 10 and then subtracting 60. And okay, can I give another 60? Yeah. So let's give everybody 10 and take out 60. Um, and you know, they were getting it. They were being successful. They were asking questions at the appropriate time. And then I was able to go around after they'd done four that way and be like, look, this is awesome. This is completely right. But you could become more efficient. Do you see how you could take out bigger chunks at a time? You could have taken out two 60s at one time. And they've we've worked on multiplying multiples of 10 enough that they were like, oh, yeah, I could have done that. Um, or do you see how you did um, 10 and 10 and 10 and 10 and you had a you had 10 tens, you could have taken out 100 to start with. I did have one girl who did that 10 times, oh. um, take, you know, all the way down her paper. And she was like, oh, yeah, you're so right. So they were, you know, everybody was approaching it where they were. And it was really, really cool. Um, I at the end, ask them to, here's where I'm getting around to my question. This has been the long way around. Sorry. (laughs) Um, At the end, they were all needing help. Like there were like six hands up and they were stuck and I couldn't help them all at that point. And so because the problems were harder. 
Why did um, they all need help? Well, maybe, it, maybe, or maybe it was that, because yeah, I did get to one where they were giving everybody a hundred to start with. The first couple, they were just passing out tens. Okay. They never needed a hundred, but eventually they got to one where everybody needed a hundred. So maybe, or maybe they had had enough productive struggle that they were like, oh, I'm not getting it. I'm ready for some help. You know? Right. Um, they had figured out that what I'm trying is not working. I'm ready to ask somebody. So there were so many w- for help and we were out of time. And so I thought, let me write down some very simple questions that kind of, it's the kind of question I would walk up and ask you. How, what have you done so far? What have you tried? Where are you stuck? You know, I put those kinds of questions on the board and they just had to real quick answer them as like a reflection. And um, one of my favorite answers was something like, um, I was really, st- I tried this one and I was really stuck. And she said, it looked like a different language to me. And then, <laughs> and then I tried it and I got it right. And I was so happy or something like that. I, it was like, oh, this is why. It's okay to let them all try it at a different in a different right, way at their own pace. Yeah. And, yeah. It was just like her her excitement in her reflection was just so exciting. This is a student that works so hard but she struggles and I actually walked over to her at that very moment when she was like <gasps> I did this whole problem by myself and I got <laughs> it right and she her face was just like this is it. I'm so excited. It was the best feeling. Um so here's my real question. I have a bunch that are doing okay with the subtraction thing, and they're ready to just keep going. We have access to IXL. It's not always my fav- most favorite thing in the world, but this is what it's good for. I just need some problems to become more efficient in my use of the algorithm. So, you know, maybe maybe even half of them are there, right? But then there's that whole group of kids who sort of kind of was getting it with the concrete, but they're not ready on their own to jump into moving, taking that, what you're seeing concretely, and moving it into the algorithm. But I'm not sure I can let it go on forever, Ruth. Like, do how soon do I be like, come over here into our small group and let's try to match it to the algorithm? Is that today or do I need to give them another day or so to keep... So I I don't know that you have to give them a whole nother day. And I like that you said the word match Mm -hmm. because you are still taking those blocks. And what did you do with it? And where does that match this number? Um, I actually have a close activity that talks through an entire division problem Mm -hmm. with... Um, so I'm going to go back to your 32 divided by five problem. And if you were going to do that with my close activity, you would say, um, what did I start with? And so the student would say three tens or three rods and mm-hmm. two units. Mm-hmm. How much can I give each person? Um, and I can't give them any rods. So I'm going to trade those three rods for 30 units. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bring down the two units I already have, and now I have 32 units. Oh, so that's it's trying to make sense of the traditional algorithm. It's trying to make sense of the traditional algorithm using the base 10 blocks. Okay. Um, and maybe 32 divided by 5 isn't one you would use the traditional algorithm for. But the point is that they could see the relationship between what you have and what is there. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily... Um, 
writing out the whole thing or understanding the whole thing. It's being able to read it and fill in the blanks about what's happening. Mm-hmm. So it it doesn't lend itself nicely to the subtractive division that you were doing. But, but I could create the same kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. I just know that it took them so long to even just set up one problem that even if I'm like, let's everybody go work on it, you know, try one more for five minutes, then they're never going to finish that one. You know, they're all not going to be done with one in time for me to pull them. I don't know. I'm leaning towards like, let's meet together and and match. Go ahead and match. And maybe that's the place for you to use the app because setting up a problem a lot of times is breaking the tens into 30 units. Mm -hmm. I mean, who wants to count to 30, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. So if you were to have the app there, the problem set up taking so long wouldn't be there. And even if you were just modeling it, I mean, if they brought their Chromebooks or whatever they had, but maybe it's time for to move to that kind of concrete. Well, and that's really representational, right? Yeah. Because it's not concrete. So, so maybe we start there today. Maybe we give them a few minutes to try it on the computer so they're becoming a little quicker at it mm-hmm. and or more quicker is not the right word but more efficient know, efficient yeah and then then I can show them how to record what's happening we'll maybe call it that way like record let's record what you're doing in this way that you're seeing your friends use this algorithm that they've created okay I'm gonna try that we're gonna use the computer <laughs> um Okay, so I think I think we're probably done on division. I know what I'm going to do today. <laughs> That's good. Um, I have a short, a very short class today. So the, I think we should end with talking about a question we got from a listener. How exciting was that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so somebody asked about what about word problems? Like the did she said the dreaded word problems, right? And what were some ideas that we have? So. Our first go-to as teachers, Tracy and I have been reading this book this summer about becoming the math teacher that I'd wish I'd had. You, Tracy Zagaroden. Yeah. Um, and we are a product of how we are taught. And I can't, I can't say that enough. And sometimes it's not even how you were taught in elementary school, but how you were taught during your student teaching, yeah. what was modeled for you. And so many teachers go to keywords Mm -hmm. for problem solving and you say if you see all together it means add and if you see how many more it means subtract and there's even cubes which is I don't even know what cube stands for but the whole point is something like just so people know what we're talking about not like actual cubes it's an act an acronym is that the right Mm -hmm. word that um where the c stands for something like circle the numbers u stands for something like underline the keywords i know we're not getting it quite right but i don't want to get it right (laughs) because i think it's not the best strategy but each it's box the something something i don't know it's helping them locate certain things in the problem okay keep going so how do you teach word problems if you don't have that kind of a strategy, because we as math teachers look for an algorithm, look for the first thing to do. And that is the first thing we tell students to do. So hold, hold on one second. Let's make sure we be really cl- We are really clear about why, because the keyword, the problem with keywords is that if you 
teach them those keywords, then there are problems where the key that keyword strategy doesn't work. And I think it's I really do think it's worth it. I think it's worth it to say a couple of examples. Is that okay? I think you should. And I think that that what you just said leads to a lot of misconceptions in math. Like when you teach a student that subtraction makes a smaller number. Yeah. Well, subtraction doesn't make a smaller number when you're subtracting integers. And so sometimes we as teachers just get into these matter of a fact things and they're not always true. Mm-hmm. So that's what we are trying to steer clear of in our word problems because when you say altogether, it doesn't always mean add. Yeah, yeah. So we'll put um, a link to a couple of different resources that talk about the danger of keywords um, together. But here, let me share an example of one where learning a keyword strategy would be a problem. Okay, here's one. Just about all together, like you said. Molly and Robbie have $17 all together. Molly has $9. How much money does Robbie have? And so if they had circled or underlined or whatever it was all together, you'd think, bing, I know, add, move on, done. That was super easy. But really, it's a part, part, whole question where you know the whole and you know one of the parts and you're trying to figure out the unknown part. It's a subtraction problem. Um, Here's another one for subtraction. Max gave away eight baseball cards on Monday. He gave away six baseball cards on Tuesday. How many baseball cards did he give away? So if you're taught when you're giving away something or stealing something or losing something, if you teach those for keywords for subtraction, um, you would probably think, oh, I need to subtract eight minus six is two. But really, you're adding the amount that he took away. Well, that's confusing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so teaching those keywords can be a pretty um, confusing strategy once you start seeing other examples that don't fit that most common mold of a word problem. So I think you're, you kind of gave one of the strategies away that teachers can go to is using a part, part, whole. Mm-hmm. And you can find those part, whole models. And so when it's a multiplication or a division problem, your model has equal parts yeah. and your whole. And sometimes you're missing the equal part. Sometimes you're missing the amount of parts that are there. Mm-hmm. And then when you have addition and subtraction, you have parts that are not equal. Right. And so if you want to teach a student to read through a problem, maybe that's the strategy that you go to. You ask you read the problem and you say, are my parts equal or are my parts not equal? Yeah, yeah. And then you can move into that model. But I think a great place to start, which is something that because our listener said, what about those word problems? Um, I went back to something that I had found this summer and I did it in the classroom, but numberless word problems. Right. Um, and I actually did a numberless graph having finished my graphing unit and my kids are um, coming up on their quarterly assessment, I just put a bar graph up there and it was actually missing a bar. So they had two bars on the left and two on the right. And then we just did, what do you notice? Okay. What do you wonder? Mm -hmm. And um, they had to predict what they thought the other bar would be. And a lot of them chose it to be right in the middle. So their graph was aesthetically pleasing (laughs) because the bars were the same. Okay. Um, and then I showed them that the bars were labeled candy. So we had this conversation about what could the title be. Well, it could have been a survey bar graph of what's your favorite candy from this list. Um, and then I showed them that the y-axis just said in millions. 
Oh. So what does that mean, that little key over there? And someone was like, well, it wouldn't be a survey graph because you wouldn't survey millions of people. Good point. So we had that conversation of what it could be. And then I revealed the title and the title said sales of these candy in 2013. Okay. So what do you think your y-axis would be if it's in millions? Well, Tracy, that led to huge things like what is a thousand million do you think they would say in millions if it started with a thousand or would they say in billions because that's what a thousand million is and so there was a need Mm -hmm. for them to understand place value so they could make sense on their that's cool um y-axis when in reality if i had showed them this graph that said in millions and the y-axis was 100 to 500 Mm mm-hmm they wouldn't have even paid attention to it. They wouldn't have paid attention. And some of them would have gone completely shut down. Yeah. Because I don't even know how to write 500 million. Yeah. But then we were able to answer the question from the graph, was there more than $2 billion sold in these candies? Which meant you had to add wow. the bars. And that was not the question that came with the graph. That was a question that someone developed because we had gone. Cool. So what do you know? And he said, well, I know that there was more than $2 billion made. And so I said, explain how you did that. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, Reese's, I think that was the most, is already at $500 And that's half a billion. And if I put all those bars together, I can make them more than two. That's cool. And so read and interpret graphs. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) So... Did you start with a question that you were going to ask and then you just changed it because he had a good question? Um, I didn't even have a question oh. because it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I have to do this for the podcast. So let me <laughs> slap a bar graph up there and see how this goes. Um, there was a question there written on the website where I had that graph and maybe it was, you know, how much more did Kit Kat right. do than this one? But Kit Kat was a little bit over 300 million. Mm-hmm. And the next one was a little bit under 400 million. And knowing where those hash marks are and having that conversation of, well, do you think it's 3 million one? Or do you think it's 3 million 100,000? Yeah. You know, how many sections are here? There yeah. was some rich discussion about, let's not just put it one dollar over and their and their dis and their question that they came up with based on revealing a little bit at a time was so much more interesting than just was this one more than this one or how much more or something or They're, how much did the most you know yeah when in reality that's most of the time where we go with bar graphs mm-hmm. but we were able to just dissect it so much more so going back to the person who asked the question this idea of revealing a little bit at a time of the structure of the problem helps them to dig in and not fall back on that keyword thing that they've they've learned um, and not just always go to addition, right? That's like, oh, two numbers add, you know. Exactly. Um, it makes them grasp the context, wonder things, ask them interesting questions. Take risk, Tracy. Yeah. They didn't know. And there wasn't going to be one right answer yeah so anybody could say perfect example a student that i have who never speaks made his 
where they guessed the bar, he made his Snickers. That was the bar that was missing. Uh-huh. It was really small. And his was not aesthetically pleasing. Uh-huh. And so I said, can you tell me why you picked your small? And he said, well, I thought this was Halloween candy and my mom likes Snickers. And so she would have taken all of mine out. Oh, cool. It's like, how many do you have? How many do you have right now? Right. Like make a graph of your Halloween candy. <laughs> I mean, how awesome. many teachers have thought, oh, this is a great idea. Let's, yeah. you know, graph it. And he just knew that there wouldn't be any Snickers in there because <laughs> his mom would have eaten those. That's those awesome. were her favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I try, we'll probably end with this. I tried a numberless word problem too. You you already um, outed us, so for the podcast, because I wanted to have something <laughs> to talk about. But I did it with division. And I, um, Brian Bouchard, right? I think that's yes. how you say his name. Mm-hmm. He's got a website um, with lots of these. And so we'll put that in our on our website. But I went there and he had some very simple division ones. He had a lot of multiplication and division ones that were probably appropriate for third grade. And so I did exactly what the website said. Take these, change the context, context, change the numbers. Um, But I still revealed in basically the same order that he did. And so mine said something like, um, I'll put my actual one on the website, but it was something like um, our principal had some money to share with um, with classes for special projects. That was the first part. So we noticed and wondered, I wonder how much are we going to get? How much does she have to share? What are the special projects? How many classes are going to get the money? Um, they might have asked, do we all get the same amount? Oh, great. Thank, thanks for asking that since we're talking <laughs> about division. Um, no, I didn't say that at that point, but I thought it. And then I slowly revealed different parts. So I revealed that it was only for six of the classes, part of our little program. And then I revealed, um, and so then they wondered again, how much money does she have to begin with? And are we each going to share it? Is each class going to share it? Or is it per kid? They, that was an interesting like question, you know, and then how many kids are there if it's going to be per kid? That's a whole different problem. And then that caused, oh, that caused some people to like start to estimate. They weren't being very specific at that point, but they were like, we're going to get more if it's per class. And we're going to, they were thinking we're going to get less if it's per kid. Then I revealed how much money and I, I, I kind of led them a little bit at this point, um, because I wanted them to see there was nothing in the problem yet that said we were sharing equally. So I did kind of guide them in, let's just pick some amounts. What could it be? And we kind of, and it was kind of funny because it was like large amount, large amount, large amount. We got down to the very last teacher and I was like, oh, $2 for that teacher. Oh, well. <laughs> and they, you know, oh, they, they reacted to that because it's real people to them. You know, they, oh, sure. they didn't like the idea of this third grade teacher that they really like not getting, you know, only getting $2. And so that final slide um, popped up the it had the amount it had each class is going to get the same amount how much is um, each class going to get but I left something out I didn't say she's going to give all of the money and in in the first class and the second class both kids asked well is she going to give it all like could she just give each class $25 and still keep some for herself isn't that amazing that they asked that they knew enough about division to say division means taking everything that I have and splitting it all up and not holding any back and they also know enough about schools that (laughs) yeah (laughs) sometimes that you don't they don't divide all of it yeah (laughs) so I was just um thrilled at the deep conversation that came out of that 
um, so going back to our person who asked, give it a try. Take something that you're going to do anyway and reveal a little bit at a time and see what how much deeper the discussions are. And how less scary yeah. those word problems are when you've already talked about it. Yeah. All right. So we need to do our takeaway from the day. What's your takeaway from your conversation? If you're not ready, I have mine. Okay. You should go first. Um, my takeaway is that the using the technology to move from the concrete into the representational I need to not be afraid of that like just like I don't want a teacher to be afraid of pulling out all the base 10 blocks and like chaos ensuing it's okay give them the computer because that's what it's meant for to to make that transition a little bit smoother so I'm gonna do it today and pull out (laughs) use that um, number pieces app and so for me I think my takeaway as I know that division of decimals is coming oh yeah and that whole partitive and quotative. And do I really understand yeah. <laughs> how to write both kinds of problems when you are dividing decimals? Oh, um, we hashed that out yesterday and it was ugly. We did. We're not done. <laughs> We're not done. But it's so important because if I can't explain it. Yeah. And for a student to know what it means to divide two hundredths by five tenths, yeah. it's got to be so much more than just move the decimal yeah exactly so all right see you on tomorrow's run see you on tomorrow's run